Hello and welcome to another episode of Easy Golf. On today's episode, I talk about practice. Practice? Yes, that's right. Practice. Practice is good. Okay, thank you. That's all for this episode of Obvious Golf. Join me next time when I say water is wet. Really, though, an important aspect to getting better at golf or at anything is just accumulating experience, and practice is a good way to do that. Want to get better at hitting a golf ball? Go practice hitting a golf ball. Hit shots at a driving range. Hit chip shots in your backyard. Putt across your carpet. Practicing anything you care to do well is a good habit. It's a sign of commitment and discipline. Practice is also activity. It's better than sitting around doing nothing. Practice can even be therapeutic. If all you need is somewhere to get away for a while, blow off some steam, be alone with your thoughts or what have you. And, depending on where you live, practice may cost a lot less than actually playing golf. I would even go so far as to say practice is necessary, say for beginners struggling to even hit the ball and in search of basic golf proficiency, or for elite golfers who are way beyond proficient and in search of golf mastery. And somewhere in the vastness of space between a complete beginner and an elite golfer is where you'll find me. I'm not so brand new to golf that I wonder if I can even hit the ball or find it intimidating to be out on the course. And I'm definitely not so developed a golfer that it takes a lot of work just to maintain my skill level, let alone increase it. I am just someone, somewhere, who likes to play golf whenever I get the chance. And I regret to inform you that I almost never practice. I know, it's terrible. Shame on me, right? Eh, I don't know about that. Like I said, I like to play golf whenever I get the chance. I have a busy life full of responsibilities, and if I get to go play golf, then it means that at least for that moment, I have a handle on all the other stuff going on in my life, which makes a round of golf feel like a reward. You want to know my least favorite way to reward myself? By making myself practice. That feels more like a punishment than a reward. And I know it's not. I know it's good for me or whatever. But if I were more dedicated to practice, then I would have to carve out some time to play golf and carve out more time to practice. But if I could manage to do that, then wouldn't I just carve out more time to play more golf? I said earlier that I almost never practice because... I did once make an honest effort to incorporate practice into my golfing diet, if you will. And though that hasn't really panned out, attempting to practice did result in my biggest golf breakthrough yet. What could that breakthrough be? Well, I'll tell you right after this break. Easy Golf is brought to you by Kindle, the e-reader from Amazon with a glare-free display that reads like real paper even in direct sunlight. Adjustable brightness lets you read comfortably indoors and outdoors, and a single battery charge lasts for weeks. Highlight passages, look up definitions, and search the web without ever leaving the page. Get your Kindle now with a free three-month subscription to Kindle Unlimited and gain access to millions of books and newspapers. For more information, please see the link in this episode's show notes. The Kindle is my preferred way to read, and it can be yours too. Order yours today. Easy Golf is also brought to you by two books that elevate golf to that of an art form. Extraordinary Golf, The Art of the Possible by Fred Shoemaker and The Lost Art of Playing Golf by Gary Nichol and Carl Morris. Both books are written by expert golf instructors and expert storytellers. 
who expertly distill playing golf down to an exercise in creativity and expression. Learn how to play by trusting your instincts and reducing self-doubt. And rather than trying to derive pleasure when you play golf by shooting lower golf scores, shoot lower golf scores by deriving more pleasure out of playing golf. Extraordinary Golf, The Art of the Possible, and The Lost Art of Playing Golf are both available in paperback and ebook. So please see the links in this episode's show notes and pick up your copies today. And now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to Easy Golf. Before the break, I said that practice is good, but that I don't do it, but that I tried to do it, and in doing so had a breakthrough to which I attribute most of my modest golf improvement so far. And that breakthrough was simply an appreciation for nine whole rounds of golf. Before I was ever even into golf, I was aware of it and had in my mind the idea that a round of golf is 18 holes. Even after I started playing, why would I go to a nine-hole golf course when there are 18-hole golf courses? And why would I go to an 18-hole golf course and only play nine holes? Luckily, the driving range closest to me is attached to a nine-hole golf course that I had previously always overlooked. So those few times I did make an honest effort to practice at least gave me an opportunity to think more about this. I realize that I'm very fortunate because my modest taste in golf courses and the selection around me means that I can play nine holes for just about the same cost as a large bucket of balls at the driving range. Not only that, but a large bucket contains about 50 balls. And I usually manage to play nine holes in upwards of 50 shots. And on top of all that, If I practice properly, meaning I think about what I'm trying to do on each shot, and I don't neglect chipping and putting, then practice takes the same amount of time as, you guessed it, playing nine holes. Nine holes of golf compared to 18? Hmm, Seems lacking. But nine holes of golf compared to practice? Oh, please. Why would I ever practice again? Actually, that's a good question. What do I miss out on by not practicing? One thing I suppose I miss out on is focused attention on any particular part of my game. For example, my driver. I'm sure everyone needs to practice hitting their driver more, so count me among them. On my best days, I hit it dead straight, and on decent days, I hit a small fade, but on bad days, I hit such a slice that the ball looks like it's going to keep turning all the way back around and hit me in the back of the head. So, yeah, I could probably (laughs) practice hitting my driver. (laughs) And I must miss out on volume, right? I mean, how much farther and more accurately would I hit every club in my bag If I had just spent more time practicing, if I had just hit more balls with every club. Eh. Even golf instructors, who advocate practice, will tell you that there are diminishing returns to just beating balls all day. Rather, you should add variability to your practice. You should add pressure to your practice. You should make a game out of it. But I don't need to make a game out of it because someone already did like 600 years ago. It's called golf. And I think it's perfect practice for improving at golf. Every round of golf involves taking as many shots as I need that day, distributed exactly as needed among the different clubs in my bag and the different parts of my game. I get all the variability I need. I get all the pressure I can handle. The only thing I think I lack, really, is volume. 50 total drives, approaches, chips, and putts is considerably less than 50 full swings of my choosing and as many chips and putts as I can handle. Is the lack of volume a problem? Let's examine that right after this break. Easy Golf is brought to you by old school golf instruction books, such as Ben Hogan's Five Lessons, The Modern Fundamentals of Golf. 
first published in 1957 and still square one for learning the basics of the golf swing. Or how about On Learning Golf by Percy Boomer. You want to talk old school? The author's name is Boomer. Written in 1946 and just like the Hogan book, it still holds up today. One thing I like about these older books is that while a lot has changed in golf instruction over the years, the stuff that remains the same is the stuff that really resonates. And these two books are very complementary because Hogan is pretty technical, while Boomer is more feel-oriented. Combine the two and you'll know what to do and how to know you're doing it. Please see the links in this episode's show notes and pick up your copies today. Easy Golf is also brought to you by more modern golf instruction books, such as The Practice Manual, The Ultimate Guide for Golfers by Adam Young. Using the most up-to-date information in motor learning research and ball flight laws, and full of tips on how to practice effectively, it's the perfect book for any golfer looking to develop a self-taught homemade swing. As is The Golf Insider Performance Diary by William Shaw. This book offers a 21-week guide on improving your skills, measuring and recording that progress, and journaling about it. I've been using it to track my scores and playing stats, and it's been really helpful to isolate trends and consistent patterns among the fluctuations in my scores from week to week. These two books take a more modern approach to golf improvement and belong on any new golfer's bookshelf. Please see the links in this episode's show notes and pick up your copies today. And now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to Easy Golf. Before the break, I made the case for why nine holes of golf is great practice, though I did acknowledge that I wonder whether it's enough practice. Let's take putting as an example. Nine holes means for me around 18 putts per round, which doesn't sound like a lot of putting practice. I could putt for hours if I wanted to, but why would I want to? Nine holes of golf means nine balls on nine greens, nine unique putting situations, nine puzzles to solve. And they all count. They count for things like pars, maybe the occasional birdie, sadly the all-too-common double bogey, but hey, those putts need to be made too. You're telling me that all that is not a good day's worth of putting practice? I don't believe it. But what about hitting all my clubs farther? Well, I can tell you that this happens to be my third consecutive summer playing the same courses, and from one summer to the next, I can't help but notice differences in where I find myself standing on the course. Or what club I'm using to hit into a given green. It's clear that I hit the ball farther. Okay, but what about controlling my driver? I'll tell you. Early on, I stopped carrying my driver altogether because I couldn't keep it in play, but I couldn't resist hitting it. So I was losing balls and adding penalty strokes and then some due to the compound effect of my frustration throughout the round. So I stopped carrying my driver, started keeping the ball in play, and reduced my penalty strokes and then some due to the compound effect of hitting decent shots. Okay, big deal. Lots of golfers do that. It's actually pretty common advice for beginners. Stop hitting driver on the course. Play without it, but practice with it until you're ready to put it back in the bag. I followed half of that advice anyway. (laughs) I did play without my driver, but I never practiced. I just got better at general ball striking over the course of playing golf on the regular and eventually realized that I had had the whole situation wrong. It wasn't that I hit my driver all over the place but was accurate with the rest of my clubs. I hit all my clubs all over the place. It's just that driver was the only club that regularly reached 
out of bounds. And once I improved my ball striking enough to notice that, I also started noticing where and when hitting less than driver off the tee just didn't cut it anymore. So I started carrying it again. The thinking was that even though I had not been practicing hitting my driver, I had been playing a lot of golf. So I had since made a thousand or so meaningful swings and had gotten better at hitting every club in my bag. Maybe I'd be better with my driver now too. And wouldn't you know it, it worked. It wasn't miraculous. I didn't suddenly become a bomber. I really did save my driver just for the holes on which I thought I needed to hit it. At first, I used it on only one hole, then another, then another, and now I just have a driver and use it. And no, it's not perfect. Like I said, I can get wayward with it from time to time, but show me a golfer who doesn't. What I've come away from all this thinking is that it's not about volume, it's about frequency. I've managed to mostly straighten out my driver, hit all my clubs farther, and improve at every aspect of the game, just by playing. And I was able to do that because I've learned to appreciate a nine-hole round of golf, which allows me to play more golf because I can make time for nine more often than I can make time for 18. Less volume, but more frequency. And since playing nine is better practice than practice, I guess it's true that I practice more too. My favorite book-movie combo, in which both are classics all on their own, is The Shining. There's a line in The Shining. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. It's haunting stuff, but I bring it up to say that I think I'm the opposite. All play and no work makes me an easy golfer. That's all for now. Thank you for listening, and until next time, take it easy.